for our lesson this morning. It comes from the, the book of Acts, chapter 16, a selection. I invite you to hear these words, and as you do, know that in this story, what is happening, we are journeying with Paul a little bit through this season here of Acts of Freedom in our, our current series. Now, Paul and Silas, they're partnered up here in this moment in the place that they are, and they're getting into a little bit of trouble. They've, they've done something that has upset the community at the time, and you'll hear more from that from Pastor Ray in a moment. And so here we are, caught up right at the end of that, that, uh, that upsetting of the community, and now there's a repercussion that comes from it. So this is Acts chapter 16, starting at verse 23. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house at that same hour of the night. He took them and washed their feet and wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he as an entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning, church. I hope you've had a great week to all of you who are dads, to all of you who have dads, to all of you who are granddads, all of you who have granddads. Happy Father's Day. We're so glad you're here. If you're watching and streaming online, we're grateful for your presence and we'd love to see you here anytime you can be here. Um, all of a sudden realized my iPad wasn't open. We're delighted you can be here. One of the things that happened at annual conference this week when Stefan was talking about children our bishop, uh, she's a new bishop and she's new to us, uh, Bishop Shelton, she's a singer. And at the end of her, one of her messages this week, uh, she um, broke out in song. And it was gorgeous. She's a wonderful singer. And then from back of the stage came this little boy, probably maybe 10 years old, who joined her in song and harmonized her and sang like, he brought the house down. A ten, he's like 10 years old. It was incredible. I wish you had been there. Not for the whole conference, because some of that gets really boring, but just for the good parts. And I'd love it. So, by the way, did you notice our stumps out in the front? Those things are hideous, aren't they? The trees were much more beautiful. Hopefully, in just a few weeks, plantings will not happen until around September because we want them to survive. Uh, and but the the stumps and the dirt and all will get carried away. We think this week. So and by the way, any of you woodworkers, there's some limbs up against the building. 
Um, some of you are already taking the big, big logs, but there's some limbs. I see you, Brother South, see you go. But there are some limbs over there, and our play school and after school wants those limbs turned into coasters for our children. So if any of you want to do that, you can take those limbs home with you today. Yeah, the opt-out method. Okay, all right. Yeah, I need to do that. Okay. All of you need to do it. Let me know which one of you will. Anyway, so it's good to be with you. It was great having uh, to being with some of you who are in here this morning at annual conference with us. We have lay people and our clergy were there. And so here is uh, concerning news and great news. The great news I give to you first, Stefan has been reappointed for another year. Thanks be to God. And I say that selfishly. Now, here comes, oh, Lord, help us is. I've been reappointed another year, too, so bless your hearts. You know, I don't know what you did, but uh, anyway, the bishops have got it in for you. So anyway, I'm glad you're here this morning. It's always good to be in good I had a good summer attendance, so glad you're here. Now, we get on to the message today, and um, we're dealing with Paul and Silas. He's traveling. This is one of his missionary journeys, and also Luke and Timothy are traveling with him, but they don't get in trouble. And they're in this town of Philippi, and he begins to minister. He and Silas and Luke and Timothy minister in this town. And, and one day, they cast out an unclean spirit of a slave girl, slave young woman, who's a fortune teller a fortune teller. And this slave young woman has wrestled evidently with this unclean spirit for, for quite a time, or whatever it was, but it, it gave her this unclean spirit, as Scripture mentions it. it. It gives her the capacity, the ability to tell the future, at least so the people in that area thought. And so Paul cast the unclean spirit out of her, and she was made whole, and everything was good. She was healed. But her owners of this slave young woman, her slave masters were ticked because she could no longer tell people's future. Uh, she couldn't tell fortunes anymore. And she, made, she had made her slave owners a lot of money. And so this was what we read in the book of Acts. When her owners saw that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the authorities and before the magistrates could do any magistrates, I use the judge or the people that made the initial sentencing, if you will, that they didn't, they didn't do any background checks. But the people that seized them said, these men are disturbing our city. Now, I want you to notice they weren't really happy that this one was healed. You'd think everybody would be happy they were healed, but they were not happy that she was healed. They just recognized they were losing a source of income. The claim was made against Paul and Silas that they were disturbing the city. That's an odd one, isn't it? The magistrates, again, they, they didn't do the homework. They didn't check things out. They just instead immediately sentenced these two Jewish guys from a faraway place to punishment of being beaten with rods and then to put in prison for an indeterminate amount of time. Now, in this text, we didn't read this part of the text, but you can go back and read it. Um, in this first part of chapter 16 of Acts. And the, the, the scripture says they were beaten with rods. Well, if you go back in other places that people are beating, they're usually with, with this, it's another word, kind of like flogging, scourged. 
And I got to think, what, what are these rods? This is part of the message that really is the trivia pursuit time, just so you can have learned something when you get home today, you can remember this. And so it got me puzzled, what is this word? What are these? And so I got to looking and got to researching, look it up yourself. These are rods that were actually bundled from sticks, usually birch or elm, something like that. And they were sticks, limbs, bound together and strapped and tied together with leather. And in the center of them would have been uh, an axe. In other words, the axe was used as the handle or for other things. So it, it was usually right in the center of all these sticks. And so Paul and Silas were actually beaten with the rod part of this bundle of sticks called a phasis. Phasis. Um, spelled F-A-C, but it's pronounced F-A-S-E-E-Z, Fazi. And then I got to, well, what are those? And then I noticed, if you go look on a 19, oh, I forgot, 46 or 56 dime, there's a Fazi. A, a, a bunch of reeds gathered and, and an axe sticking out of the top. And then I, I learned that if you look at the Lincoln Memorial, President Lincoln sitting on the big chair, the arms of the chair are Fozzies. What is, what is all this? They're, they're, they're in several places uh, throughout Washington, D.C. Even Congress's emblem on the bottom, there's, it looks like an X. It's two Fozzies crossed. And I go, what is that? Well, that stood for justice and punishment. In the Roman days, it meant we can, we can punish you, and the X meant, or we can kill you. So they're a form of punishment. They were, and they were, in later times, particularly here in, in Europe, they were just a symbol of justice. So how many of you knew that? Yeah, you, did you? I mean, we had a, one of our judges was at the early service today. He never knew that. I didn't know that. You get that for free today. No charge for that. But anyway, so... That's what they were beaten with. And I tell you this because they were beaten with these. And the ancient times, you could beat somebody with a rod 39 times. Because what they knew is 39 times would possibly tear the skin, maybe break some ribs, do an immense amount of punishment and pain, but it wouldn't kill the person. Wasn't that sweet? It wouldn't kill you. Uh, and later, in Corinthians, Paul mentioned this, this beating has happened to him three different times. But it also would make it difficult to breathe. And so this is what Paul and Silas have endured when we get to the story of the day. Paul and Silas beaten. Now, this morning, we had a team leave for an Appalachian service project. Tons of kids, young people, and adults going to the Appalachian Mountains to repair homes for those that don't have a lot of resources. But just imagine if they go today and they go into one of these little towns, one of these little valleys that they're going to be working in, and somebody doesn't like what they're doing, and they seize them and they beat them just for doing good. Now, if that had happened, I don't know about you, but I would not be happy about it. As a matter of fact, I would have probably thinking, you know what, Lord, I'm here on your behalf. I've been doing your business, and this is what I get. This doesn't seem quite fair to me. God, I did this mission trip for you. Why did you let this happen to me? You know, why did you let this happen? To me, any reasonable person would ask the same question. 
Paul and Silas healed this young woman. And they get thrown into prison for it and get beaten for it. Here's the point I want you to catch from this little story. It is often when we face a difficulty or adversity, we get angry with God or disappointed with God. Years ago, I even did a message series on disappointment in God. And that's sort of a typical response because we have in our minds that if you believe in God and you trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, you do the right things, then God's going to protect you from any bad thing from ever happening in your life. Except the problem we get into, there's no biblical rationale or understanding of that. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible carefully, you'll notice that a lot of the folks that believed in Jesus, uh, things didn't go well. I mean, Paul and Silas thrown into prison more than once. Jesus is crucified. So the Bible doesn't promise, follow me, Jesus the Christ, and life is going to be a, a walk in the park, a bed of roses. But sometimes that's the way we think. Lord, I made a pledge to the church. Lord, I go on mission trips. Lord, I'm in church every Sunday. Lord, I attended disciple Bible study for like 50 years. Lord, I did all these things. Come on, where's the fairness in this? And the reality is that we live in bodies that occasionally cells go crazy and haywire and cancer develops. We sometimes are going to learn that bad things do happen to good people. Sometimes we get in our car and it doesn't work. And that's the world in which you and I live. It's part of the risk we take in being humankind. And here's the thing. When those bad things happen, yes, you can turn away from God, and people do that all the time. They get angry and disappointed in God and what they believe because God didn't fulfill what they expected God would fulfill or what God would do. However, we find in these two crazy characters, Paul and Silas, they didn't do what I often do and get angry with God. They actually turned toward God. I want you to hear again what they were doing. They were locked in stocks, and it's in the middle of the night. They're in a prison cell. They're probably having a little difficulty breathing. At least it hurts. And this is what we read about. It's about midnight. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. This is a powerful story in Acts, written by our brother Luke, and they're praying and singing hymns to God, and all the prisoners are paying attention. Maybe they just sang so beautifully and so horribly they couldn't help it. But you see, remember that your witness of faith in the darkest times is often the most powerful witness of all. Have you noticed that? And in this case, Paul and Silas are singing hymns and being abused and beaten for sharing good news. And the prisoners are all paying attention to what they're saying and what they're singing about and the way they respond to adversity and pain. You heard the story. An earthquake happens. The prison doors are shaken loose. The chains come off their hands. And the guard, the man that's in charge, things don't look so good for him. See, in the ancient world, we don't know this man's capacity fully, but he was obviously over everything that was happened. In the ancient times, sometimes the guard actually, for lack of a better term, owned it, was the manager of it. And if a prisoner escaped, they were held accountable to the point where 
it could possibly be that he, by the government, could be put to death himself and his entire family. And so when these, when the when the doors are open, he's making an assumption because it's dark that everyone has gotten loose and he turns and gets ready to take his life. Brother Paul sees and says, whoa, 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 no, 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 don't do that. We're all here. We're all here. How do you respond to bad times? In those darkest moments, Do you turn to God, trusting God for hope and strength and comfort and help? I've mentioned to you Helen. There are a lot of Helen stories. She was in my church. Am I off here? I turned it off instead of on? Well, that was dumb. Just saying. At annual conference, we learned, oh, it says it's on. Oh, but you know what? I know why. I have packed for Aldersgate. It doesn't work in here. Just so you know, I'll stay here. <laughs> it's a lot more fun, though, when I go down there. Helen was the first person I ever met. She introduced me to the Red Hat Society. Any of you member of the Red Hat Society? Some of you are? That's a fun group. You'd want to hang out with them, I promise. Crazy women that wear red hats and go out to lunch and do fun things. Helen was a retired nurse, moved to Wilmington. And during my tenure in Wilmington, she developed cancer, went in remission, and it came back with a vengeance. Hospice was in. Helen was a disciple of Jesus like you wouldn't believe. Just incredible. She had three kids, and they were not necessarily well, they were not followers of the way. Um, at least two of them decided when their church um, told people of dark skin they were not welcome, that if they were not welcome, these people with dark skin, they weren't welcome either, and they hadn't been back to church. Don't really blame them, do you? But none of her kids, so three grown adults, they didn't attend church, were not followers of the way. And that grieved Helen's heart. But every time I went to visit Helen, I've told you this before too, I always thought I was going to help her and pray for her and make her feel better and give her some inspiration, but it always turned out just the opposite. As I said, it was always an event when I went to Helen's house. So one day I went there, and her daughter was there, and um, she said, Mom's in her bedroom, and I knew the routine, so I went back there, and I'm sitting beside her, and the house is really quiet. And she said, Ray, hold on a minute. And I said, okay. And she yells, why is this house so quiet? Somebody turn on some music or make some noise, do something. You think somebody's dying in here? She was dying. She had hospice. She was crazy in a wonderfully God-given way. But Helen... <clears throat> One Sunday, um, as, we're, as we're doing our thing, we were still meeting in a school at Harbor Church then, in a gymnasium. And her kids brought her to church. All, all three of them were there, daughter pushing mom in the wheelchair because she couldn't walk 
very well anymore. And they sat on the far right-hand side. The kids sat on the bleachers, and her mom sat right in front of them. And it was just a joy to see all of them there together, knowing her mom's time was limited. But what really caught me was, after my message, we started singing, and I heard Helen sing. Knowing how hard it was for her to sing. Knowing it was take everything for her to do anything, and I could hear Helen's voice singing, singing. Because, you see, Helen knew. She knew that although she is walking through the valley of the shadow of death, she had nothing to fear. Because God was with her and his rod and his staff would comfort her. And God did. We turn to God and not away from God in the midst of adversity and pain. And in a large way, we do that is by singing songs and praising God, even in the midst of the craziness and the pain of our life. Paul later writes to this little church at Philippi. It's called Philippine, uh, Philippians, the book of Philippians. It's a letter, and he writes them, and he is again in prison, and he says this to them, Rejoice in the Lord always. The Lord is near. Therefore, do not worry about anything, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. That's the worship. Peace with thanksgiving. He said that, and he's lived it. He knows it personally. He wasn't just writing words, he was living it out. You go to Philippi now, and Philippi's in ruins, and you can see this little village, and nobody remembers who the magistrates were, who the authorities were, but thousands of people gather around that jail. Christians have been doing it for centuries, we're not quite sure if that was the jail or not. But Christians gather and they sing great hymns of faith because of a couple of crazy guys named Paul and Silas. Here's the message in a nutshell. I probably should have started with this and we could be on our way home. But the thing I want you to remember is when bad things and difficulties come and adversity come, remember Paul and Silas and sing hymns and be in worship and turn to God and not away from God because what happens is it's a real weird arithmetic is that in that adversity when you can sing praises and you thank God for being God and being present with you, the peace of God that passes all understanding guards our hearts and our minds. I buried Helen not too terribly long after her being in church that Sunday with her kids. It was sad and victorious, all in the same breath. But the clincher for me were her kids. She didn't see it here on planet Earth. That she has one kid in Florida, one kid in California, and one kid in New York. And Randy, her oldest son, told me, Ray, I'm going to be back in church because I want to be able to live like my mother died.
All three of those kids are back in church, not because of some preacher or some great church or some unbelievable thing happened, but because they saw her mom sing the hymns and trust God in the worst times of her life. And they said, that's the way I want to live. Amen.